Could you guys stand with me as we read the scripture this morning from Colossians chapter three, verse 12 and 13. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I want us to focus. I want you to look at that verse 13 because I don't want to rush by and just be like, read a scripture and carry on. It says, make an allowance, make room, give space for people to make mistakes and forgive anyone who offends you. Because remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I think a lot of times we forget that we have hurt God and we've done a lot of wrong and we ask for forgiveness and we think, okay, we just move on. And then when somebody does that, we like to carry it and hold on to it and use it and it causes pain for more than one person. And the scripture is very clear that we're to make room for people to make mistakes and then to offer forgiveness the way Jesus has offered us forgiveness. Amen? So let's pray. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you that you have forgiven us. We thank you for the price that you paid for our life and for our sin. And so, Lord, we don't want to take that lightly. And we're asking God that not only um, you forgive us of our sins, God, would you also forgive us of the things that we have held on to? And Lord, would you help us to be able to forgive those who have hurt us and caused us pain? God, we want to be in right relationship with you. We want to be in healthy relationship with you. And so, we're asking this morning that you would speak to us, challenge us, and make us whole in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Once upon a time, there was a mean old mountaineer who fell sick and he died. There was no funeral directors back in the hills then, and embalming was not yet practiced. So the widow and the family dressed the body and placed it in the coffin. As the deceased was being carried from the house, one pallbearer stumbled causing the coffin to crash into a gatepost. That knock somehow revived the old mountaineer who sat up yelling and screaming at everyone in sight. The man lived for over a year and was as mean as ever. And then he got sick and he died again. Once more, they put the body in the coffin and the pallbearers lifted their burden. And as they shuffled by, the long-suffering widow lifted her head and said, watch out for that gatepost. Have you ever run into somebody who was just so mean and angry and cantankerous and you're like, what's up with you, dude? Like, what's wrong with you? And have you ever gotten offended because they're upset about everything? He's like, lighten up. Like, I'm just, I'm just here to buy something and you're so angry. And then you walk away and you just feel this conviction in your spirit like, oh, why am I mad? And then think, what happened in that person's life that they're so mean? It's as if they were born with lemons in their mouth and walking all over those Legos. They're just angry. And everything happens out of relationship. What happened in that person's life that made them that way? Have you ever thought about that? It's like, what makes somebody so upset and so angry? Everything happens because of relationship. And there's this deep desire to be in relationship with 
each other. This is family. We say this is family, and I know some of you don't know half of the people in here, but we're family. We're called to love and care for and be a part of each other's life, and, and that's what we were created for. And since the beginning of life in Genesis, when God breathed and spoke things into existence, he created man, and he looked at Adam, and he said, it is not good that he should be alone, and so he created woman. And then he said, it's very good. And since then, we have been, we have a longing and a desire to be in relationship with one another. How many have ever seen the show alone? Raise your hand. I want to see my brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah, okay, come on, come on. Greatest show ever. If you haven't seen it, you need to go back and watch season one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. They're amazing. I love that show. I always tell myself, yeah, I could do it. But here's what I've realized. Man, if you haven't, if you don't know anything about alone, Real fast. It's 10 people get chosen to be isolated on an island. They have 10 items that they can choose from, and they have to survive the brutalist of weather and all their surroundings, including wild animals. So they have to build their shelter. They have to find food. They have to do all this stuff. They don't have, they're not allowed to bring pictures of anything, anybody, and they're literally alone, and they got to survive. And what's funny to me is when they, the, the first 10 start off and they're giving a little history and you see their family, you're picking out like, yeah, that person's going to make it. That one's going to do it. And you're like three days in, they're crying. I lose my family. Yeah. And, and it's like, what? Three days? You couldn't make it three days? But what I found out is, as you watch that show, weeks and months and people realize it's not worth it. They get $500,000 if they're the last one standing. And most of them realize, my job isn't that bad. My family's not that bad. My situations aren't that bad. What's bad is being out here all by myself, talking to myself, talking to the cameras, you know, all that stuff. We were created to be in relationship with one another, with people. We're created to have healthy relationships and work at that. In fact, the Bible ranks healthy relationships as one of the most important things in our life. Look at Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 35. It says, a Jewish religious expert asked Jesus, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law. And all the demands of of the prophets are based on these two commandments. A loving relationship with God is the most important thing in our lives. And equally as important is healthy relationships with the people sitting next to you and in this room and where you work and where you go to school and what you do, who you do life with. Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment for us. It's first a vertical relationship with our Father, and then horizontal relationships with those that are around us. See, commandments aren't natural. That's why they're they're written down and they're put before us. There's something that we have to learn. We have to discipline ourselves in. We have to train ourselves to be kind, train train ourselves to do these things, to be in relationship with people and to keep them healthy. It's not something that is very natural for us. But there are things that we were created with that are very natural, they're born, in, they're inside of us from the moment that we're born. From the, the moment we come out of the womb to the day that we die, there's this longing inside of us for these five things. And they are this, I'm going to show them on the screen, to be loved, to be accepted. Where do I belong? What am I doing? To have security, identity, 
and purpose. These are instilled inside of us from the very beginning of life until, until we expire from this place. We are longing for these things. And we get them from the moment we're born. We receive them or we're supposed to receive them from our parents, mom and dad, to love us and care for us and nurture us and train us and teach us to provide for us. We feel accepted and we feel secure at home and we find parts of our identity and our purpose. And as we get older, we tend to look in some other places for these as well. Teachers, coaches, our friends. We look to academics for finding purpose. Maybe it's a career, our job. Maybe it's getting married one day and having our own kids, becoming a grandparent. We find, we look for love and acceptance and security and all of these things. And we're created to do that and it's fine. We're supposed to receive love from each other to fit in and belong. We're supposed to feel this sense of safety and then know and walk out our identity and purpose. It's fine. But we need to understand this. People will let us down. Positions go away. Friends disappoint. Marriages get into conflict and fall apart. And that's why when we look around us and see people that are lost and confused, it's because they've been looking for these five things outside or a part of a relationship with God. We can find these things in people and all of these things, our parents and our teachers and our coaches. We can find these things and receive them. But ultimately, if we're solely going to rely on people to satisfy these things, when those things go sideways, we're going to crash and burn. We're going to fall apart and we're going to go astray. Jesus is the only one who can love you unconditionally and accept you just as you are. He's told us time and time again that he gathers us in his, in his loving arms and he cares for us. In Psalm 139, it says that we have an identity and a purpose since before we were ever created and born. He's the one who loves us and he cares for us. And there's a, there's a problem in the world, and that problem is the devil. And many times we don't understand that it's the devil. We think it's a person. We think it's our friend. We think it's our boss. We think it's our wife. We think it's our sister. But John 10.10 says this. It reminds us over and over. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. This is a drastic difference between what God wants for you and what the devil wants for you. One wants to give you life and life more abundantly. The other one wants to destroy your life. He wants to wreck it. And oftentimes he does that through the people we love and trust the most. And then we can get offended. And we get hurt. Feel rejection. There was a testimony on Tuesday night that was just so powerful. And they opened that testimony with this. All my life, I sought to be loved and to love because that's a deep longing for all of us. It's a desire for all of us to be loved and to love. And throughout, throughout her testimony, she just began to share how the devil tried to destroy her over and over again. And yet God kept calling and he kept coming and he kept climbing and he kept knocking until victory set in. And that doesn't mean they won't ever have issues. It just means that. The devil can't win if we don't let him. He's going he's to come in. He's going to try and do what he can to destroy our lives. But we need to recognize what his strategy is. So his agenda is to destroy you. And his strategy is, to, is division. 
He wants to weasel his way into families and friendships and marriages and churches and cause division. Isn't it sad that we've seen over the last several years how the enemy has gotten into our church? And let's just be honest, the devil's been trying to get into churches since the beginning of churches and cause division. Anything they can use. Really? A virus? And we're mad at someone and someone is sitting in a different section of this church and you're mad at them because you don't believe the same, you don't think the same. They said something on social media and we have strife and we have division in our own church because that's the devil's plan. That's his strategy. That's the way he works. And I might be tapping on somebody's little sensitive uh, nerves right now and that's okay. That's Jesus. Because we can't have division in the church. We need to be different than the world. We need to live differently. He's called us to live differently. He's called us to, to be some, someone who brings life and not blends in and is like everyone else. We're supposed to be different. And so we need to make things right because Satan wants to destroy your life and his strategy is division. I'm going to ask Josh and Leah to come up here. I, just before the service, I said, hey, I'm going to invite you guys up. So they have no idea what I'm going to do. Give them a hand. In the first service, I used, uh, this, this works for any, any situation. I used a brother and sister in the first service. This is marriages, friendships, whatever. Well, how the enemy tries to work. You guys have been married for a while? 19? Holy cow. Okay. Come here. This is what God has put together. This is what God, when he talks about relationships, this is what he wants. He likes relationships close. Right? He wants us to be in loving relationships and growing together. So in 19 years, these guys were like this all the time. I know because I was, I was their youth pastor. <laughs> and what the enemy does is he tries to do this. He tries to get in, let me in, let me in. And, and he's trying to push that apart. And, he'll, and it's little things. Look, if, if the devil wanted to tear, go ahead, you guys can get back. If the devil wanted to tear them up, the devil is not going to come up to them and go, oh, you guys are married now? I'm going to destroy your marriage. Wait till you see what I do. They're going to be like, let's go. Let's fight. I mean, I know Josh. He's like, I'll kickbox you right in the head. It's going to be a fight, but that's not how the devil works. He just likes to do little things. Like, you know what was really cute when they first got together? And he would just throw his clothes right by the hamper instead of in it. It was cute at first, but then it just got to be a little irritating. Then he'd go to take a shower and he'd find like hair all over the walls and stuff. And that just got a little irritating. And then one of them, not going to say who, I'm just making this up by the way, would come home, park the car in the garage on E. And then he just, just little things. I thought dinner was going to be ready. I thought you were going to do this. And he just begins to just get in and begins to divide and separate. And then they come back together. And then all these things like little pebbles in your shoe, just get in and just pull apart. And then they come back together and pull apart and he just uses these tiny things to get in and just, just try and destroy. It's like, I thought, I thought one of the kids was gonna mow the lawn two days ago and Josh comes home late from work and he sees the grass is even longer and he's like, what happened with the lawn? And he's not going to his kids, he's going to his wife and saying, what happened, why is the lawn done done? She's like, why don't you ask the kids? And there's this strife and pulling apart because that's what the enemy does. What God has put together, the enemy is trying to separate and destroy. You get it? It's the little things. Thanks, you guys. Sorry if any of those things hit close to home. I just made those up. (laughs) They're things I've heard in the past, not from them, but... 
And what happens is these little things get in and begin to divide. And you know what? All of a sudden this fight ensues. And it's really not about what just happens, about all the little pebbles in the shoe that you remember and, and all of these things that have built up. And then all of a sudden there's this fight and the devil's just in the background going, I knew it. I knew I could do it. I could just get these little things in there and I could begin to divide. And he does it in our friendships and he does it with our parents and he does it with our spouses. And he just weasels his way in and tries to destroy our lives. The Bible says what God has put together, let no man separate. And the enemy is like, I'm going to do whatever I can to separate. I don't know when it happened and when I realized it, but when Sarah and I first got married, we moved to Breckenridge, Minnesota. (laughs) You don't know where Breckenridge is. And we lived in a small apartment, and I just realized one day that we have differences in the way that we do things. And one of them was toothpaste. See, I like my toothpaste just like this. Squeeze from the bottom all the way. <laughs> and I like it to sit in the cupboard just like this. But I would go to brush my teeth, and it would be like this. And I would just grab it. We were newly married and I would just fix it and set it back. And at night I'd go to brush my teeth and it would just be squished. And I don't know how long I did that before I finally said, why can't you just squeeze it from the bottom and then put it in the cupboard like that? And her response was, what does it matter? And I was like, it matters a lot to me. (laughs) it's simple just push it from the bottom push it out and just put it away what could have been a lot of arguments I just decided I will just fix it twice a day (laughs) it's not that big of a deal I'll just take it and fix it put it back knowing that I'm going to go back in there and have to do it again it's okay it's not worth it Sometimes we just need to let things go instead of letting them be a problem in our marriages and in our relationships. If we're going to have healthy relationships, there has to be give and take on both sides. I just got to let it go. I have let it go, by the way, just in case you're wondering, because here's what we have now. We could have done two things. We could have gotten two tubes of toothpaste. Don't touch mine. That just doesn't seem, I don't know, whatever. Whatever works for you. But just recently, we started doing uh, toothpaste bites. They come in a glass jar. You can't squeeze those. So you have to take the lid off, take your bite out. It's problem solved. <laughs> ah, I have issues, I know. But here's the thing. The devil's agenda is to destroy you. His strategy is to divide you. His tactic is rejection. You see, the opposite of love and acceptance and security and identity and purpose is rejection. When you don't feel loved, you feel rejected. When you don't feel like you belong anywhere, you feel rejection. When you don't feel safe, you feel rejection. This is the enemy's tactic in our lives, and he will do whatever is necessary to get you to live in a state of rejection. Rejection can come in the form of parents, our kids, friends, and teachers, and coaches, and believe it or not, even your pastors, and the boss, or your husband and your wife. 
People are going to hurt you because people are human. We do dumb things and we say dumb things. It's just a part of life. Paul reminds us in that opening scripture, make allowances for people to make dumb mistakes and say dumb things. Give people space and just look at them and don't, get, don't, don't live in offense. Realize, yep, they said something dumb and it's true. It hurt. But realize who's behind it. Who's the one pushing the buttons? To have healthy relationships, we need to recognize when we need to say we're sorry and we need to be willing to forgive so that we don't give the devil ammunition to use against us because that's his job. He's out to destroy you. Paul was ministering to the people in Corinth and Corinth was a, well, it was a, it was a pretty dark city. It's a seaport and it was just full of grossness idolatry and it was sexualized and everything was a mess. And Paul goes there and he begins to witness to people and share the gospel and he builds a church and begins to teach them and train them. And he's doing this all through Corinth and, and Paul leaves and he keeps writing letters. And then he hears that there's this stuff that's going on in the church. Division has happened and there's a split and people are asking Paul, Paul, what do we do? There's this guy, there's this sexual immorality that's going on in church and there's, there's this incest that's going on. This guy is splitting the church saying, What's, why are we listening to Paul? Who's Paul? We want Apollos. We, and there's this, all this friction that's happening in the church and these people are saying, Paul, what do we do? And they're saying, they're saying some things about Paul that are just not nice and I'm sure Paul was like, well, wait, what? And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit so that Satan will not outsmart us. What? So that Satan will not outsmart us for we are familiar with his evil ways. But are we? But are we familiar with his evil ways? Because I know myself. I'm not going to speak for you, but I know myself. Sometimes I get offended pretty easy and I get offended by dumb drivers. And I don't do anything like naughty except I get offended and maybe I yell. It's like, I don't understand how people don't get roundabouts. It's not that hard. <laughs> Have you ever seen this? Have you ever come up to a roundabout and seen tracks that went right through the middle? Like, what is wrong with people? Like, I, I get irritated like, do you know how to work a four-way stop? Like, if I had my way, everyone would go back and take their test every five years. But I just know the DMV wouldn't be able to handle it, and you'd be standing in line for years to try and get that test done. But I find myself getting offended by dumb things, and I have to, I have to sit back and be like, okay, I'm not going to be offended by people's stupidity. I don't know what's going on in their life, and I got to cool down and be like, okay, all right, Jesus, I repent. I'm sorry. And get right. Paul says, I'm doing this for your benefit so that Satan will not outsmart us. You guys, this has nothing to do with strength and power. This is about wits. Paul is saying, listen, be aware. You have to know what the enemy is up to. Don't let him outsmart you. Don't let him get in and divide your relationships. Don't let him cause all his problems. Call it out for what it is. It's not the person, it's the devil. Our fight isn't against flesh and blood, it's him. But Satan likes to make it think, it's you. You're part of the problem. 
She's part of the problem. They're part of the problem. And it's just not right. Make allowances for others' faults. I just love it. If the devil could have taken you out, he would have done it already. You wouldn't even be here. But he doesn't have the authority to snuff out your life. He can cause all kinds of things and pain and stuff to happen in your life and lead you in that path, path of destruction, but he doesn't have the power to take out your life. All he can do is divide and cause rejection and hurt and pain. And we have to recognize we need to be smart. We need to be smarter than he is. 1 John 4, 4 says this, greater is the one living inside of you, believer. Greater is the one living inside of you, Christian, than the one who lives in the world. Greater is the one who lives inside of you than he that lives in the world. Isaiah 54, no weapon formed or fashioned against you will prosper or stand, and everything that rises up against you will fall. How about Luke 10, 19? Every Christian should know this scripture. Every one of us should have this one memorized. I have, this is Jesus. I have given you authority to trample on, to stomp out over all the power of the enemy. How much power? All the power. That means what? You are more powerful than the devil. Amen? You are more powerful than the devil. He has given us authority to snuff him out, to put him to sleep, to knock him out, kick him in the teeth, do whatever you got to do, but you have the authority to take him out. He doesn't have the authority to do it. You need to tell him to stop it, to shut up, to get lost. That's our authority. That's who he's given us. And all throughout Proverbs, it talks about gaining wisdom, get wisdom. Above all else, get wisdom. Why? So we're not outsmarted by the devil. And if you don't have wisdom, James says this, ask for it. Ask for wisdom. So we're not outwitted by the devil because he's out to destroy you. He wants to take out your life. And he wants to do that so that our relationship with God and our relationship with others is unhealthy. Now, I don't know if this ever happens to any of you, but this happens to me more often than I'd like to admit. But you ever have that time where just, you're literally enthusiastic to go to bed. Like, can't wait. Like, you're, you find yourself smiling just before you get into bed because you're so happy that you're going to get in your bed with your pillow and you're about to go to sleep. This happened to me not too long ago. I was like, why am I smiling? And I was like, I just can't wait to get in bed. <laughs> and you get in bed, fans on, and you're laying there, you're about to fall asleep, and all of a sudden, bam, wide awake. Your mind is like... All these things, I'm like, no, I'm so tired. And your brain is just going on and on and on. And you're, I'm conjuring up all these scenarios in my head. What if this happened? What if they did this? What if that happened? And none of it's true. You're just making up all this stuff and you're getting worked up and all of a sudden you're sweaty and then your heart rate is going up and you're like, oh man, I wish I would have said this. I wish I wouldn't have said that. And all these things are going through your head and finally I realize, oh, stinking devil. And then I'll just start praying. I'll just pray under my breath because I don't want to wake Sarah up. Or I'll just start praying in the spirit. Or I'll just grab my earbuds and I'll put them in my ear and I'll just put on my Bible app and start listening to the scripture. And soon enough, I'm fast asleep. But we have to recognize what the enemy is doing. See, we can make up all kinds of scenarios in our head that will never happen. But we'll lie awake. We'll lose sleep and lose all of this stuff because we're just listening to the lies of the enemy. And the things that he's dropping into our, our minds and into our lives. We need to get familiar with his evil schemes. Because his agenda is to destroy you. His strategy is to cause division. And his tactic is rejection. And rejection causes bruising and pain. And if we let it, 
it'll produce bitterness and anger and resentment and jealousy. Many of us are like this apple. When the apple gets dropped, there's a bruise, and I can tell you where it's going to be, right there. Right now, it's perfectly fine. It's very edible, and I'm going to eat it later. I know it's edible because I actually ate the one from the first service. It's fine. (laughs) It's a little mushy there, but it tastes great. But we're a lot like this apple. There's no sign of damage, and there won't be for a few few days. If I set this on my desk and I just leave it there, in a few days, there's going to be a brown mark right here. And if I leave it, that brown mark is going to turn black, and it's going to spoil and be rotten. Rejection, when it's left unresolved, will develop into bitterness and anger and resentment and jealousy and offense. Don't let, don't let that stuff stew in your life because it'll just produce spoil and rottenness, not in someone else, in you. It begins to destroy your life. Forgive. Make allowances for others' faults. Forgive. I'm going to ask them to put the tree up on the screen. That tree represents your life. God has designed us to be living trees that give life, that are strong, that produce a fruit, a harvest, 30, 60, or 100-fold, that, that makes a difference in the community, in your workplace, in your home. What you normally can't see, which is why I picked this picture, because you can't see, what you normally can't see under the ground is the root system that governs what the fruit will look like. And so if there is a root of anger over here, guess what kind of fruit that's going to produce? It's going to produce angry fruit. Bitterness will produce bitter fruit. Whatever we're holding on to, jealousy, will produce a fruit of jealousy. It's going to be bruised and spoiled and rotten and ugly. You guys have met people who are angry. You've seen people who are jealous. You've witnessed people that are bitter. What Our roots produce our fruits. What you can't see underground, you can see from your life. Be very careful when it comes to unforgiveness and resentment and anger and offense because it affects your life. It affects your spiritual life. God's called you to be a tree of life, a tree that's filled with good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when we're full of the Spirit of God and we've, we've gotten things taken care of with people in our lives who have hurt us and caused bruising and pain, when we've taken care of that and come to God with that, then we begin to produce the right fruit. And that right fruit will change other people's lives. But to live in resentment will destroy your life and will keep you from being who God has called you to be. God's design is that you'll flourish and produce good fruit, and that that fruit would be life to those around you. He's created you to be in healthy relationship with him and with others. Ephesians 6, 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Our fight isn't against each other. That person that you're angry with right now is not your enemy. That person that's hurt you and bruised you, and it's true pain and hurt. I'm not going to diminish it. It's true pain. They're not your enemy. The devil is behind it because his agenda is to destroy your life. When we have healthy relationships with Jesus and we love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, 
when rejection comes, we don't go dark and produce rotten fruit, but we lean on Jesus through the pain and we find our healing. That's how it works. And it starts by making an allowance for others to make mistakes. It starts with being recognizing who's behind it and forgiving anyone who offends you. We have to be willing to forgive. And I know, I've held on to offenses before. I know what it does. It hurts. It hurts me. It keeps me up at night. It causes all this junk in my life that I just don't want. And what the Bible tells us this is the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then to love each other in the same manner, the same way. And it's not easy, but it's a command. As Christians, we're part of a spiritual war. People, positions, and prizes will let us down, but Jesus never will. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of all bitterness, all rage and anger and harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. How can Paul continue to say this stuff? Because he's lived through it. He's gone through it. He's been there. He dealt with it in Corinth. He's dealt with it in his life. He's chosen to forgive rather than to be in offense. Healthy, godly relationships begin with a Christ-centered lifestyle. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Spiritual warfare. Satan prowls and is persistent in destroying relationships that honor God. Put on the full armor of God. Be ready. Be ready for the attack. Be ready and recognize what he's doing. You have to know his schemes and what he's doing. And then stand strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Worship team, you can come on up. If we would consistently practice these qualities that Paul has mentioned, we will have healthy relationships. And as I said in the beginning, it doesn't come natural. You have to discipline yourself to recognize that it's not, even though the person has what they've done and what they said has caused you pain, recognize that the devil is behind it to destroy your relationship. Someone came up to me after the first service and said, I haven't spoken to my daughter in 13 years. That's how the devil works. Over a silly argument, just an argument they didn't agree on. 13 years the enemy has had his way. It's just not worth it. God's called us to live in right relationship and healthy relationships with one another. And maybe you're thinking, but healthy relationships also depend on other people, don't they? And it's true. And yet Paul has the answer for that too. In Romans 12, 18, he says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Our job as Christians is not to dismiss the pain, to ask God to help you through the pain and to forgive the one who caused the pain and then recognize the one who's behind it all.